0: Isn't it good to know and be reminded that everyone is important to Jesus? No matter what age, no matter what gender, no matter what background, no matter what color of their skin, no matter what their native language, Jesus loves all people. He loves all the children of the world, which means that those of us who follow him should do the same. It's fascinating to me that the gospel writer Matthew records this interaction with Jesus and these parents and their children immediately following a section that Jesus uh, laid out some very clear and strong teaching on the subject of marriage. I don't think that's a coincidence. It's important as we learn, as we lean into this important topic of parenting this weekend, that we do not forget that parenting and marriage are interconnected matters. Matters. So if you're taking notes, if you follow along on the message insert inside the bulletin, you'll see a white space and you can write our first observation that to be excellent godly parents, it begins with a commitment from mom and dad to protect and honor marriage. This is what Jesus had to say earlier in that same chapter in Matthew 19 verse 4. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Now, typically, this is a passage that that I read at weddings when I officiate. And yet, I think on this weekend of parent-child dedication, it's good for us to be reminded that from the very beginning, as we think about the family unit, that God's design was to begin with a man and woman who are committed to going through life as a united team, bringing their various talents, their strengths, their personalities into that relationship, realizing that they have become in a miraculous way one in marriage, and that God has called them to a unified resolve to not allow anything or anyone to separate them but instead to be united as long as they both shall live. It's so important for children who come from that union to sense that security in the home and the stability that comes from the marital commitment of the parents. My concern is that oftentimes in marriage, once children arrive on the scene, that the focus shifts from Protecting and strengthening their marriage to protecting and providing for the children. Now, don't get me wrong, that's an important responsibility to protect and provide for children. And yet, I think it's important that we remember how to keep our priorities where they need to be, which raises a question for the couples that are present here today. Do you practice marriage-centered parenting Or do you practice kid-centered parenting? If you're really honest, which of those describe your approach to parenting? Is it marriage-centered or is it kid-centered? Now, I know that the demands of children, dirty diapers when they're babies, meal schedules, dance recitals as they get a little older, soccer games, baseball games, track meets, and homework, always seem so urgent. And yet, we have to be reminded that the stability and strength of the marriage is the important foundation for the family to be built. In many ways, this is a powerful reminder that we are constantly to evaluate our lives and to ask ourselves, are we simply chasing the urgent, or are we focusing on the important? My wife and I were extremely busy for years when our children were young. And I understand how easy it is to be swept into the urgency of meeting the needs of your children. We had three children in less than four years. That's why we don't have four children, okay? At the end of those four years, we waved the white flag. We said, we've reached our limits. And they were very active in school and sports, and we were glad for that. When, the, when they were, you know, in that school age period, they did travel sports. We had all three kids doing travel sports at the same time. That's, that's a hectic time. We had school activities. We had late-night homework projects. We had one overachiever that wouldn't go to bed until it was perfect. And I was always curious how we did on our project. I mean, how she did on our project. Now, on one hand, I understand the urgency of making the most of those years because it, it, it goes so quickly. You blink, they've graduated from high school, they've moved away for college, and then they get married and they start families of their own. Parents, make sure that you don't forget the importance, though, during those child-rearing years of protecting and strengthening your marriage? Trust me, you'll blink and the children will be gone. And the question is, have you continued to grow and strengthen your marriage during those years? The lack of growth in the marriage during those child-rearing years is sometimes reflected later in the marriage having challenges. Something that's really made me sad is as our kids are now, uh, our oldest is 31, and they're all, the other two are in their 20s, late 20s. You know, it's sad to me how many parents that, that we did kids' activities with when our kids were younger, now that the kids have gone, those parents have divorced. That's sad to me and i And I wonder, you know there could have been a lot of reasons, but was it because they didn 't protect the marriage during those child rearing years? Personally, my wife are at a stage in life we 're enjoying the empty nest period of life, or at least it was empty until Easter, as I shared last week, we now have this little guy named Pete named after my alma mater's mascot. And we've taken it into our home, and all of a sudden, baby gates are showing up all over the house again. Uh, we, we find ourselves back in training mode as we have this puppy. And by the way, someone should have told me that little puppies like to bite. I didn't know that. I've got, I've got markings to prove it, okay? But, but we're, we're having fun. But back to our earlier point we can get so busy parenting that we forget to strengthen the core. The core of our family is the marriage. The Bible's emphatic. In Hebrews 13, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. A book that I utilize consistently in my own marriage, I refer to it often, I also use it in the counseling of other married couples and, and even use it in helping prepare engaged couples for their wedding and the marriage that proceeds. is a book entitled, His Needs, Her Needs. By the way, this year, I think here at Southwest, which I think is a good sign of what God's doing in the life of the church, I think it's going to be a banner year for the number of babies born. But also, it's a, it's a banner year for how many couples we have going through pre-marriage counseling, that are planning to get married. We have six couples that are planning to get married. One was married last weekend. And honestly, when I started having these couples approaching me and, and one of the things I require to do the wedding is pre-marriage counseling, I I waved the white flag and I told our elders, I need help, you know, this many couples at once. And so I'm grateful, the elders of our church and also Derek and Julie Tincher, who head up our marriage mentoring, we've all partnered together to provide pre-marriage counseling for these couples. And this is just a, a good reminder that if you yourself are planning to get married or if maybe you're going through a rough spot right now in your marriage and you want some help, Or if maybe you have a good marriage, but you'd like to have a great marriage, I just want to let you know that we've got people available to come alongside and help you. I'm grateful our elders took time to go through some training so that they can give attention to people that need some help with marriage. Let us know. We'd love to come alongside you and your marriage. But back to this book, His Needs, Her Needs, which is subtitled, Building an Affair-Proof Marriage the author points out that to protect and honor the marriage, each person is called to meet the needs of the other. Instead of simply asking, are we meeting our children's needs, or even are my needs being met, a better question is to begin to ask, am I meeting the needs of my spouse? My fear is that far too many of us who want to be great parents and long to be A-plus parents settle for mediocre marriages. Is that true of you? Do you long to have A-plus parenting, but you settle to be a C-minus marriage? With that in mind, I want to share with you three of the felt needs. He has, list 10. We don't have time to list all of them. But the three felt needs that I'm going to share with you all begin with the letter A because we want to have A plus marriages around here. So I want you to consider these three felt needs that individuals have in marriage and ask yourself, how am I doing? The first A I want to mention to you is admiration. When is the last time you told your spouse how much you appreciated them and admired the qualities in in them that you see as great strengths. When's the last time you said, I really admire this about you? It's so easy after you've been married for a while, even though you know it and you know that's a strength in in that person, it's so easy to begin to take for granted and not express that. When's the last time you expressed admiration. The second A is affection. Willard Harley in his book says, remember the importance of expressing love in words, cards, gifts, hugs, kisses, and courtesies. Create an environment that clearly and repeatedly expresses love. Are you making sure that you're protecting that in your marriage? Are you protecting one-on-one time, or is it just always family time? Now, family time's great. But are you protecting date night? If not, then we want to encourage you to take advantage of something offered here at Southwest every month. It's called date night. And this is an opportunity for young families to say, hey, I want to be a part of the date night group. And what that means is that 10 nights a year, you'll have free babysitting for the night. And you can go out on a date. That's great. Now, the only catch is that that means two Friday nights a year, you stay back and watch the other kids, okay? But the, we have pizza, uh, popcorn, movies. I mean, we bribe the kids to be good, you know, to make it easy for you. But we want to urge you that the next date night is this, this Friday. We want to urge you to take advantage of that. Make sure that you're protecting that time with your spouse. The third A is attention. Harley actually talks about communication, honesty, and openness. But in communication, he talks about the importance of attention. He talks about the, the, the imperative of giving undivided attention to your spouse. How have you been doing in that area? You know, this Friday night just a couple days ago, my wife and I watched, we like to watch these news programs that talk about different social issues in our world. And we watched this program. It was fascinating. It talks about the effect that social media and technology, you know, these things, the effect that it has on our marriages. And they showed picture after picture of people in groups where everybody's looking at their phone and not talking with each other. And they interviewed parents and they interviewed children and they said, how is technology affecting your family? How is it affecting your relationships within the family? I especially was moved by one little three-year-old little boy who when the interviewer asked Him, what do you appreciate most about your parents? And the little boy said, I like it, I love it, when mom and dad give me their undivided face. He didn't say undivided, he said, listen to me with their whole face. What's that mean? So many times it's uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Are you giving that undivided face time to your spouse, to your kids? Or have you been distracted and not really giving them the attention, that whole face listening? Are you settling for a mediocre marriage? Are you striving for an A-plus marriage? Now, for those of you who are single parents, you might say, well, this message, this part of the message doesn't apply to me. Well, how can you make sure that you protect the core focus which will enable your children to have security and stability, even if there aren't two parents in the home. But once again, I I believe the Bible has the answer. In Psalm 68, it says, His name is the Lord. Rejoice in His presence. Father to the fatherless. Defender of widows. This is God, whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. I've shared before, but single parents are heroes to me because I know how difficult parenting is when you've got a partner that you're working through it together. But when you're alone, I I gotta feel that there's probably times of loneliness. And yet, I wanna urge you to lean into this passage and to remind that God has a family for you to be a part of. It's his family, the church. And instead of saying, well, I, I don't have a spouse or, you know, and, and pulling away, lean into the church, realizing that it's in the church that you can find the support you need. It's in the church that your children can see role models that are godly mothers, godly fathers. They can see godly marriages lived out before them. They, you can even find mentors and role models for them. Doesn't mean it's easy. I understand that. But we want you to know in God's family, help is available. Not only do children need to see as they grow up healthy examples of couples who are committed to protecting and honoring marriage, but our second point, they desperately need to see an example of parents who prioritize and love God. Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that we looked at last week in Matthew 6, verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now, that verse follows a section where Jesus says, you worry and get anxious about all this stuff that you don't need to be worrying about. Boy, that's so true sometimes as parents, isn't it? We, we can get all worked up and get anxious. Are we, are we providing our kids the right house? Are we providing them the designer clothes that their friends wear? Are we going on the extensive vacations? Are we providing that elite education? And then, are we providing the best and latest gadgets like PlayStation and Beats, which is the title of this message. You know, our, our staff worked on this these messages and titles together. I didn't even know what Beats were. I thought it was a vegetable, but But the truth of it is that there's always going to be that new gadget. But the question is, is that what your kids really need? I believe what your kids need is they need to see a parent that is seeking God and putting God and His kingdom first and foremost in their life. Jesus reminds us if we get our priorities in the right place that we don't have to worry about all this other stuff. That doesn't mean you don't take care of some of those things, but you don't worry and get all anxious and fret because he will meet your needs. On one occasion, Jesus was recorded of having this conversation when someone asked him, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, make sure you get your priorities on the right thing. Make sure you focus on the importance of love. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And second, loving God. Your neighbors, yourself. I'm convinced that these are the priorities that parents are called upon by God to impress upon their children to love God and to love others as they would like to be treated. When our children were younger and living at home, this was something that Jane and I sought to impress upon them, as it is described in a passage that we referred to often, Deuteronomy 6. We talked with our children often about what it meant to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We talked to them about the importance of of growing up to, to be a Jesus follower. We talked to them and prayed with them regularly at night about who they were going to choose to marry someday, and praying that they would marry also another Jesus follower. Now our adult children are like their dad, they're still a work in progress. And yet I'm grateful to see God at work in all their lives. I see them headed in the right direction, and I'm grateful for the choices that they've made in marriage. Now, I don't share this as a means to stand up before you and boast, because the truth of it is I could write a book about the mistakes I've made as a dad. And yet I think I'm an example that even if you make a bunch of mistakes, if you keep trying to focus on the most important thing, and that's to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, that God will truly meet your needs and the needs of your children. By the way, you never outgrow the concern for your children, even as they grow older. I've heard it said that when the children are young, you know, they're in the diaper stage and, and they're very dependent, it's very physically demanding. Well, that's true, isn't it? You have late nights, you wake up in the middle of the night with a crying baby. And, and those, are, those, are, those are physically demanding. And then as the children grow up and they go through adolescence, it's emotionally draining and taxing at times. And then the kids leave home and you have to face the reality that you can't control everything in their life. You've lived with that illusion when they were younger. And then it's a spiritual battle. Now that our kids are married, you know, we not only pray for our kids, we pray for their spouses, we pray for their kids. You see, there's a spiritual emphasis now. As I think about that, I think of what Jesus said also on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, verse 7. Keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you'll find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Boy, is that ever true when it comes to parenting. You see, parents, no matter what, your child might be going through whether it's the terrible twos or maybe it's some challenges you're facing through the teen years never forget the importance of asking seeking knocking on the door saying God give me the wisdom to face this and keep asking God to be at work in the life of your children even if they're grown and older I want to talk to you just for a a moment to the high school students that are here in the crowd. Because I know some of you have fallen asleep because you're thinking, well, what's this got to do with me? I just wanted to share with you, for those of you that feel like mom and dad are always on my case about things, or mom and dad, boy, they're just old-fashioned in their values. Or mom and dad, they just, you know, they just seem too caught up in this church thing. I want to encourage you to, to see that they're really focused on the right thing. You know, when I was a teen growing up, I, I my parents were very devoted, very my dad was an elder in the church and they were very committed in the life of the church. They went to church three times a week and and I went with them. And uh, but you know, as a kid growing up, when I got in high school, I thought I don't really want others that I'm hanging with to know how often I'm going to church. I remember calling up a girl one time, you know, back when I was in high school, to go on a date, you had to make the call. And, and you know, the parents might answer. It wasn't a cell phone, okay? So, and, and, and you know, I remember talking to this girl on the phone, well, what'd you do today? It was a Sunday night. I just left out the church part, you know? Because I, I thought, that's not cool. And I was, I was embarrassed, honestly, of how religious my parents were. You know, now, as I've gotten older, reconnected with some of my high school friends from social media, a number of them have communicated to me, you know, when we were in high school growing up, I, I respected your parents so much. I envied the kind of family you had. I had no idea. High school students, be grateful for your parents trying to f- help focus you on the right thing. It's so important. It'll make all the difference. If at times you feel like, well, they just keep harping on certain values, realize that's Jesus had certain values that are to direct our life. An example, that's how we treat others. And in Matthew seven, again, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you for this is, the, this is the law and the prophets." Parents were called our final observation, to prepare and train our children for the future. This doesn't happen automatically by just bringing your kids to church a couple times a month. It's an ongoing focus and effort that you keep talking about what does it mean to love God? What does it mean to treat others as you would like to be treated? You can't delegate that responsibility to a Christian school or a Christian church. Now, don't get me wrong. We here at Southwest take our responsibility seriously to speak into the lives of children. I know with our staff, I'm always talking about how can we do a better job partnering with parents to help influence kids? How can we do a better job partnering with our parents to help teens love God and love people. And yet, the Bible's clear that the responsibility for training children lies not with the church, but with the parents. A verse that we have on the wall in our children's wing, just to remind parents as they go to pick up their kids, is Proverbs 22, 6. Direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. You see, it won't happen automatically. It's going to take effort. It's going to take training. It's going to be repeating the same thing over and over again. Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, Train children in the right way, and when old, they will not stray. Are you training your children to love God and to love and treat others with respect? It's going to take many conversations. It's going to take being an example. This is what Jesus taught about the importance of practicing what you preach. In Luke 6, he says, Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. Possibly the most important question to ask ourselves, for those of us who are parents, is not only are we impressing upon our children from conversations, and what we have to say to them the right thing, but are we modeling for them what it means to be a person who loves God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and loves and treats others as we'd like to be treated. There's a wonderful poem that spoke to me when my kids were young. It still speaks to me. It's entitled, I'd Rather See a Sermon Than Hear One Any Day. What do your children see in you? Now for some of you, you might be feeling like a little overwhelmed and you think, well, I don't even know where to start. Maybe you're going through a rough spell with a, a child. Maybe, maybe you've made some mistakes in your past. Hey, if you come talk to me, I'll, I could share with you a lot of mistakes I made. But the truth of it is, we can keep picking up where we're at and start this point forward, being those parents that God's called us to be. Now possibly somebody's here and and maybe you're young in your faith and maybe you didn't grow up with godly parents and now you have children and you're like, well, how do I do this thing? Because I've not seen it modeled before me. Well, I want to encourage you that there's some examples in this crowd that you could look to. But I want to point you as we close to the ultimate example. And that's our God, our Heavenly Father. You see, God is that ultimate example of what it means to be a parent in the way that he's designed parents to be. He is a good, good father. Let's read what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He says, you parents, he's talking to us. If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus says, don't ever forget. You have a good, good father. Let's think about how God is a father to us. He speaks truth into our life, even when we don't want to hear it. He goes to great lengths sending his son so that he, we could know how much he loves us. He makes great sacrifice to meet our most important need, that of forgiveness and, and life and a sense of assurance, even eternity. And yet it cost him dearly. To be a godly parent, it's costly at times. It's not easy, but it's worth it. If you need help, look to mentors around us, but most importantly, look to our good, good Father who sets the standard high. Think about that as we observe today, as we close out, as we do every week a time of communion. And during this time of communion, Let's use this time to realize what a good, good father we have. Let's soak up his love. Let's think about the sacrifice that he made of sending his son. As we take the the bread that reminds us of Jesus' body, as we take the cup that reminds us of Jesus' blood shed for us, let's be grateful for the sacrifice, the love, the forgiveness that's there in Christ. But yet, we're told in Scripture to examine ourselves during communion. And maybe this day, after we reflect on God's love, that He's a good, good Father. Maybe it's a time for us to reflect on how we're doing as parents. Is there something we need to give attention to? I had someone first hour said, you know, I just used communion after taking communion and thinking about Jesus' sacrifice, just praying for a child that's gone through a tough time. Let's allow this to be a really meaningful time for our relationship with our good, good Father and to train us to be better parents to those we love. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you. Thank you that you are a good, good Father. Thank you for your love, which is just amazing. Thank you for the sacrifice of sending your son Help us during this time of communion to remember him and remember your love. And yet, Father, help us examine our love, our love toward you, our love toward others, our love toward children. Help us do that examination that we need right now and speak into our hearts during this time of communion with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.